Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Episode 83 of the Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else to fucking be? It's been a while. It's been a while. Listen, as children play in the background, what a glorious sound to hear coming from a closed window. Children playing and screaming. Uh, I was going to say I'm no near a school. I am near a school. But I don't class it as a school because it's a Gaelic, uh, Gaelic stroke Gaelic school uh, for children Born in garlic fields, a common thing in Scotland um, when the pagans were still the <laughs> religious power um, back in the old days and the early days of Scotland. Before the Romans came and built the wall, before the uh, the, the Vikings came and, uh, and plundered and pillaged, um, the, uh, the pagans were in control and they believed that uh, children born in garlic fields would bring prosperity. And uh, a strong future for Scotland. Um, you you will know that the uh, the uh, the the Stone of Destiny um, is was the world's largest uh, garlic crusher. Scottish kings uh, and queens, uh, hello, would um, <laughs> after they were sworn in uh, to be the king or or queen, rainbow of Scotland. 
Um, they would they would be crowned upon the the stone of destiny, and then crush um forty eight cloves of garlic under it, and uh, drink it in a concoction of uh, garlic pulp and mead, um, in the hope that they would bring prosperity to the to the reign. So the uh, when in the olden days, and I'm talking about you know nineteen uh four four eighty eighty one the uh, when a when a woman would become pregnant because a man you know can it be pregnant although hey you know i mean uh, genders is no it doesn't exist anymore you know so uh who am i to say a man can't be pregnant you know who am i not not i not this man uh but anyway when a woman would become pregnant in the old days they'd make her lie in a field of garlic until the child was born hence the uh the garlic schools that you still see in Scotland. What are you talking about? No idea. <clears throat> no idea. As usual, tickly throat. <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. Listen, is, does anybody have a very slight medical ailment at this current time that you do not want to go to your doctor with? Because I'm not going to say COVID has scared you. But it's it's been pushed down your throat so much that the NHS is a breaking point. And honest to God, see if you see a nurse or a doctor out in the street, drop to your knees and take them in your mouth because those people deserve every they, they deserve everything you got. If you are at the supermarket and a nurse or a doctor is in front of you, you should be paying for their shopping because those people are honest to God what they've done for this country. So, here's the deal. Very tickly cough. Uh, it's no COVID, because, hey, guess what? I'm fucking halfway done. I'm 50% vaxxed up, you mad bastards. In fact, this very weekend uh, cometh. By the time this podcast... No, no, by the time it goes out, by this time next week, I'll be fucking double-jagged up. Double-jagged, mate. Fully vaxxed. I'll be able to fucking roam the streets. I'll be able to get any old folks' homes, unannounced. Turning up like double jagged, my man. Sitting doing talking to Franco and Sandra in the old folks' home about the old days. We used to hide on the table, son, when the fucking Nazis were coming. No, they're double jagged against the, uh, the the Chinese death flu. So, um, tickly cough. When oddly, whenever I I seem to eat anything. I would say within maybe 10, 15 minutes after having something to eat, I get this horrendous cough in my throat. Don't know what it is, but don't even know if they're connected. Am I going to go to the doctors with it? Probably not, unless it becomes a major thing. And I, and maybe that is the message that we take from COVID. Maybe the message is not, you know, that we have to look after ourselves and look after our neighbours. Maybe the message is don't bother your doctor. Maybe that's the message the government needs to send out. That needs to be the new NHS push. Get the Tories to put that in the side of your bus. Don't bother your doctor. That's why fucking Google was invented. You know, for, for fat people and, and shy people who go online and Google their symptoms. Tickly cough, um, mucus in throat. It's cancer, it's cancer. I knew it, I knew it. <coughs> I tell you something else. I hope that GPs start to bite back in the sense of once this is all over, um, you know. And I mean, let's be honest. Who fucking knows when that will be? 
because it's no anytime soon. I'll tell you that much, it's no anytime soon. I hope maybe in five years, ten years' time, once uh, the UK government has finally got a hold of the pandemic and managed to completely remove all restrictions from us. So we're able to move freely again. I can turn up to a pub without having to give you every fucking bit of vital information I've got and book it nine weeks in advance. I can enjoy my life once again. I hope that when pensioners start roaming fucking GP waiting rooms again, going, listen, son, there's a, there's a terrible thing wrong with my feet. I hope that the doctor can turn around and fucking bolt gun the bastards. Stop wasting your doctor's time. What have all these pensioners been doing? When they can't do their weekly, if not daily trip to a doctor's surgery to sit and talk shit. What well, else? My, my grandson came round and he showed me how to work that, the yawn iPad, you know, that Apple iPad, I mean. And uh, I, I, I googled what, what medication I'm on and it turns out uh, this is for a horse. So what are you going to do about that? friend of mine's a GP, and uh, I remember once she told me that a, a pensioner came in, an old woman, old woman came in, to tell her that she had, that her family had got her an electric blanket for Christmas, uh, to warm her bed, you know, <laughs> to warm her old bones up. <laughs> Preheating your granny, eh? <laughs> Just an old pensioner lying there, fucking skin and bone, absolute fuck all left of them, wasting away, the earth is drawing them back in. You came from the sea, you returned to the sea, some 90 year old woman, skin and bone, preheating everything, getting out of that fucking boil in a bag bit of chicken, made an appointment with our, our general practitioner, our GP. You know? People out there, uh, all sorts of illness, all sorts of injuries. People unable to get appointments for doctors. People with fucking mental health issues. Um, you phone up now and you can't even get to speak to a doctor about mental health because they've all got, spe- we've got, we've got a specialist mental health nurse uh, in the practice uh, that you have to speak to about that. Uh, okay, can you put me through? And then he's actually off on holiday for four weeks. So, uh, you know, maybe try and not kill yourself until he gets back for his holidays. So this old bastard had made an appointment um, to come in and tell the doctor that her family had got her an electric blanket over Christmas and uh, just wanted to let the practice know in case this affects the medication in some way. Now, some of you will listen to that going, oh, that poor wee old woman, you know, trying her best. Listen. If everything that we've been through in the last 18 months hasn't toughened you up, then I think the next stage in the apocalypse, I don't think you're going to survive it. Because the odd thing is about the, the current COVID situation, people think this is the end. <laughs> and in the name of Christ, this isn't even the midway point in the movie. You know, this is, this is nothing, this isn't even, a, this, this doesn't even get a mention in the movie. You you probably know if there's any who are left who are still watching the news, you may have uh, noticed the subtle rebranding of the uh, Indian variant, which has been pushed quite heavily since it was first announced. Um, 
for those of you who don't know, uh, there is a different strand or strain, however you want to say, or variant, you know, depending on what news channel you get your news from. Um, it seems as if COVID uh, and coronavirus is not a one-way thing. It seems as if different countries, because they don't want to be kind of bandied in with everybody else or they want to feel special, have decided to create their own variant of the uh, of the virus. Uh, India being... <clears throat> God, this throat. India being currently the most famous one, um, really pushing the numbers up. Um, interesting as well how quickly things change. Uh, it wasn't that long ago where you couldn't turn on Channel 4 News without a special being ran about the number of deaths in Brazil. Uh, pleased to hear that they are currently uh, the new hosts of the Copa America. Um, so it looks as if the burying the bodies on the beach and not football pitches has paid off in the long run for the people of Brazil. So India had its own variant because they want to be special, their own variant of the virus. Uh, killing tens of thousands, killing people so quick they couldn't fucking count. That's how fast folk were dying. Uh, there was a bit of a concern as to the way in which this variant would deal with the... Um, the vaccinations, how it would impact people. Um, did the British uh, governments do anything about it? Did they fuck? Did they have travel bans? Did they uh, list up? Did they did nothing? And uh, it seems as if it hasn't frightened people enough. It's almost as if we've got to a point now where we don't believe the news anymore. God, if only that was true. Uh, so they have rebranded it, as they do with most things. Um, you know, they've done it with Coke Zero. It's a new can. Uh, and they've done it with a new, the Indian variant. It's now called the Delta variant. Because I think that the idea was in the government think tanks that the word India creates too many happy images. You know, we all like a chicken tikka masala. Some of us have moved on to a butter chicken. Some of us like a biryani. You know, colourful music. The fucking Ganesh cunt. The, the guy with the elephant face. Uh, Kama Sutra. Uh, fucking, I don't know what else. India, uh, Carl Pilkington. Uh, Princess Diana, people getting burnt in the street, Sue Perkins crying because somebody's shit next to her. Images of joy and happiness, right, from the Indian variant. Because many people go like, oh, I love India, man. We've no, we've no had a chicken tikka myself for quite some time. I quite like India. So they've changed its name to the Delta variant because Delta, uh, you know, uh, ideas of uh, Delta Force, uh, Delta Force, uh, you know, SAS, SAS, Warzone, Warzone, Iraq, Iraq, Gaddafi, uh, Gaddafi, Osama, Osama, uh, Bin Laden, 9-11, terror, uh, horror, right? So, change the name. Has it affected anything? No. I, I'm looking at the news today, which which I should not have done. And uh, it's saying that there's uh, there's already spikes again in the UK, 80 hotspots popping up again in the UK. What are we going to do? I'm telling you right now, and I, I am not being extreme in saying this, and I'm not going to say I'm a fan of Nicola Sturgeon, right? Because I think that after everything we've gone through, you cannot be a fan of a politician who's in power. Um, I don't think you can be a fan of any politicians at all. But I, I, I'm saying this right now, and I, and I think, I don't think it is over the top. I don't think it's reactionary. I, th I think it's probably the right thing to do. If we start 2022 with any form of lockdown, 
or social distancing restrictions in the UK, then the three leaders of the parties in government, Sturgeon, Boris Johnson and the Welsh cunt, nobody knows his name and don't fucking have a go at me because nobody knows his name. They should all resign. They should all resign. I don't think that's extreme. I don't think it's reactionary. I think that's the right thing to do. I think if we start another year, if we go into January 2022 and we are still living with some kind of lockdown restriction or some kind of social distancing restrictions, then I think the leaders of the three UK parties should resign. Because that would mean we're moving into our third year of dealing with it. This started in March of 2020. In, in, in actual fact, it technically started in December 2019. But we started dealing with it in March of 2020. We are now in June of 2021. I don't believe that we will have a full removal of all restrictions by the end of this year. I really don't. I think there's going to be a push for uh, a summer lift in England for what would be English holidays, so end of July and into August. I think there will be a push for that. And then I think you will see a reintroduction of some kind of restriction from September, late September, early October onwards. There was I was listening to a a a, a guy uh, who has been interviewed on LBC, um, which I should not have been listening to, but I was, and uh, he seems to think that there will be some form of social distancing well into next year. If not remaining constantly with large gatherings. It's just a... It's almost an impossible thing to even gather, to even begin to imagine that we will be dealing with this this into our third year. But that's that's what I think. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I'm upset. But that's what I think. I think if we start 2022 with any form of lockdown restriction whatsoever... I think they all have to resign because they have completely fucked this up. And I'm I'm past the whole point of the uh, buying the argument that we are more cautious in Scotland. I'm past that because we're not more cautious. If we were more cautious, we would have had far stricter restrictions at the start. And in hindsight, looking back, you can say it's easy in hindsight because you would have done things differently. We will be going into our third year think by the end of this it's a full calendar year and not much has changed apart from this kind of hokey-cokey approach where it's in and out in and out so god knows um little bit of joy off the back of last weekend i had the hashtag live and uh, the hashtag show the podcast do with the one for monocle we had the uh, two live recordings and uh, one on the friday one on the saturday both brilliant both completely different from each other. Saturday was absolute carnage and chaos. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And Sunday was a very much more relaxed, uh, calm affair. To any of you listening who made it along, thank you so much for coming. Um, it, it was amazing. It really was. It was, um, it was very odd 
It was a, you know, it was a very, very strange experience because here's here's the weird thing. My last solo show. So the last I I did uh, the very last bit of, or the very last gig that I did was for an event at the National Museum in Scotland, uh, National Museum of Scotland here in Edinburgh, and that was on I believe it the twelfth of March, something like that. But the the week before or the weekend before was my last tour show, my last solo show, and it was running out some new material. Uh, or a new a new idea for a show, but it was at the Classic Grand. So it was it wasn't until I was kind of coming, I was driving through to Glasgow, and I thought the last time that I performed was on this stage, and the very first thing that I'm going to do since lockdown is back on the stage. So that that was a weird experience, but oddly, when when Mal and I were getting set up, it really it didn't feel as if it didn't feel as if I hadn't gigged for what. June, April, May, June for fifteen months. It really didn't feel. It was such a strange feeling. I was I was sitting backstage. I was getting some notes ready. I was about to walk up the steps as we always do when we we hear the intro music playing, and I didn't have any feeling of like nerves. There was certainly nerves before it. There, there's always nerves with any life performance and even if it had just been the recording I think it's because it's been so long coming back and for me as well there was nerves with I personally didn't have any concerns about being in the room but I, I thought that there may be people here who you know have been very strict on their on their lockdown are very strict on their social distancing very strict on you know they don't have people in the house they don't go in you know there are a lot of people I know people myself who are like that who do completely to the you know the, the letter of the law, follow the rules. And this could have been the first time that they've been in it in any kind of group for quite some time. Um and it was it was so that that was a bit strange. That was I think you just wanted everybody to have a good day. We just wanted people to experience it. It's it's not the full live shows, it's just the recordings. But uh yeah it didn't feel as if I'd been away. I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting maybe more nerves myself or more, more worry. And I don't know if it's because things like the podcast, although we, you know, we've had a couple of weeks off, but you know, has kind of kept that performance going or you know that ability to talk going. But yeah, I thought it would be a bit more kind of either emotional or a bit more kind of you know like oh my god I can't believe we're back but it was just like right let's do it man we're back as if nothing's nothing's changed you know nothing's happened it didn't it didn't feel like it'd been over a year since we had done some kind of live performance so both days were great Saturday was wild man Saturday was absolutely wild um but a huge thank you everybody came out and also a massive thank you to everybody at the classic grand Pauline Chris and her team and of course Gary um the manager who or the owner the work that those guys did to put in, getting the place set up, um, the amount of, and I'll say this, the amount of fucking hoops that Glasgow City Council made them jump through to get that together was, in in my opinion, a fucking disgrace. A fucking disgrace. Um, these are, you know, people, not just the Classic Grand, there will be venues, 
across Scotland, fucking across across the UK, who are being made to jump through ridiculous hoops in order to get themselves back in a position that they can reopen again. The um, it feels as if there's a complete detachment from local government and national government. It seems as if Nicola Sturgeon stands in that box and puts out a message of hope and a message of cautiousness and everything else, and then when it gets down to council level, it seems as if those fucking power-mad bastards just go crazy. The amount of theatres and venues and art centres that I'm speaking to who are still unsure as to what they're doing is disgraceful. The amount of people who are just being allowed back into council buildings because a lot of people don't realise that many theatres or performance spaces across Scotland are run and organised by councils. It's um so we we are a we are a long way off being back to the normality of, you know, what once life performance was. We were only allowed to have a hundred people uh, present in the room on the Saturday and Sunday. Um that was looking as if it was going to increase over the next couple of weeks, but then we don't know what's going to happen in England as well. So it was, um, it was, it was a difficult thing for the guys to get set up, but the the work that they put in was amazing. And and I, oddly, when we saw the room empty, we thought this could be quite strange. We we didn't think it was going to work. We we know just a hundred people, but once the guys were in, it was filled out, and they got a few drinks in them. It was it was wild. So once again, thank you to everybody who came along to those two dates. Um, yeah, it was everything that we hoped it would be, and we hope that you enjoyed it as well. They they have been recorded. Um, each day had two sections, so we you know first section of break, second section on both days. So we've got four um podcasts um from those two recordings. Um, so over over four hours worth, and those will be going out um on the hashtag show pretty soon. They'll go out to the heroes first, um, and then we've not decided yet if the uh, council scumbags are going to get it, but. Um, if you been if you weren't able to attend the the shows will go out soon but once again uh, honestly thank you to everybody who who did come out and support us and and we hope you enjoyed it we certainly did speaking about the length that venues are gone the bold Andrew Lloyd Webber's uh, lost his mind you may have seen this Andrew Lloyd Webber is uh, prepared to be arrested now <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when I first heard, I heard it on the news, and it said Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, says he is prepared to be arrested. I thought, what, what the fuck is going on here? Has <laughs> Kevin Spacey sent some tapes in? What is happening? This is obviously on the back of, as well that the uh, I say the government, the UK government, oh, well British government, Westminster, England. Um, we're meant to have lockdown restrictions fully lifted by June 21st now. From what I understand, there is going to be an update on Friday. The update on Friday, which will be the uh, 10th, the 11th. Um, the update on Friday the 11th is about what will be said on Monday the 14th with regards to June 21st. It's all very complicated, all very coded. Um, but it's looking increasingly likely that the full lift or the full restriction or the full easing of restrictions that were planned on June 21st is no longer going to happen. And because of that, Andrew Lloyd Webber says, well, I'm, listen, I don't know how he talks. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not having this, right? I'm opening up my, my theatres and that. And this is the other thing. It's not as if you can just say, right, on June 21st, um, everything's lifted. 
you can have full capacities again, or you can, you know, double the number, whatever it is, you've got, places need time to plan. We, we had, very briefly, go back to the hashtag show, we've got this thing where, most of you will know, somehow Red Stripe has become synonymous with the live shows, right? It, I don't know why, I mean, I think we, we made a joke that the Classic Grammar is the only pub outside of Kingston that still sells Red Stripe, right? But then, on Saturday, for the first live recording, Nobody could get Red Stripe because it wasn't available. So everybody was going mad. I mean, it's not often that people get angry that they can't get Red Stripe, but people are going mad. And and things like you don't even realise, they have to get that from a supplier. The supplier has to get it from the producers, from Red Stripe. Then the supplier's never had time to get it in. You, you've got to have an idea of how many people are coming. Think of the amount of booze that has been poured down the drain over the last few months, over the last year because of lockdown, because of this lifting and back in and out, and, and, and that, that's the same, so, I imagine the Bold Weber's gone mad, because with theatres, you, you have to have, you know, cast, rehearsals, um, venue staff, you need to have accommodation for cast, it must be, it must be a bloody nightmare, it must be a bloody nightmare, but uh, it says he's prepared to be arrested over the, the threat that he's going to reopen, um, and again, this has been a big push as well, that, that, that Theatres are reopening in spring. Um, this uh, news article is from the BBC website, so again, we'll take this with a pinch of salt because it could be a lot of nonsense, but Andrew Lloyd Webber has said he's determined, determined, to open his theatres on 21st June, even if he risks being arrested. How good, <laughs> how good would that be? The opening night, Cinderella opens on June 21st, and you just see Andrew Lloyd Webber getting dragged out and put in the back of a meat wagon. That would be absolutely tremendous. Um, the Empresario's West End production of Cinderella is scheduled to begin previews on 25th June, four days after the so-called Freedom Day. I mean, Jesus fuck. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber says, We are going to open come hell or high water. He told Telegraph. Of course he did. Government said it will make a judgment soon on whether to proceed with lifting of the lockdown restrictions on 21st June. According to reports, that date may be pushed back by the government due to concerns over the impact of COVID-19 variant, which has now been rebranded as Delta variant. Theatres are currently able to operate within the reduced capacities um, that socially distanced audiences allow. Uh, Lord Lloyd Webber has previously insisted that productions like his large-scale musical are impossible under those restrictions, which is, which is true. I mean, I don't think this is a... I don't think this is a money thing in the sense of, you know, uh, th listen, there will be a lot of venues who just want to be open because they want money. Um, I, don't, I don't think this is that. I think that the these West End productions, whether it be cast or whether it just be the, the scale um, of the production itself, I do think there is a, a, a huge cost involved. Like, for example, I, I had, um, I'm, I'm going to be at the uh, Art Centre, Eastwood, uh, Eastwood, uh, East Kilbride Arts Centre, right? Um, and when because it's been back and forward, back and forward, the option is to move it to a different venue um, to for it still to go ahead. This was this year, right? Obviously, it's not because we moved it back, but um, you were going to be in, I think, like a 350-seater uh, theatre with a, an allowed capacity of 63, which not only would have been impossible... Uh, to do, I mean, it, it could have been done because we've been doing stream shows and whatnot, right? So, you know, th this idea that you you can't do shows again to a, to a small audience in a big room, you can, right? It's just a different feeling. Um, 
but the costs would be insane. You would have to sell every ticket. I mean, 63, right? You'd sell 63 tickets, but you'd still be short of the fees. So you would effectively be paying to put a show on, which is utterly pointless. And after having this happen with COVID, there's absolutely no way that, I mean, even someone like me would ever be doing anything again that costs me money to do. It just won't be happening. So I imagine that, that even at that end as well, the the West End of London, the, the, you know, the highest level of performers you can go in, in the theatre world, these people are not putting this on for the good of their health. They're putting it on to make money, but they're also putting it on to pay a cast and pay staff and pay everyone else. And if it is to be, you know, operated at a, a reduced capacity, they, they probably can't do it. Speaking to Radio 4's Today programme on Wednesday, he called on the government to stop penalising the live music and theatre sector. We can open safely. Um, please let us open, he says. You know, oddly, I, I, I was just about to say, maybe it's not... Um, maybe it's not that he's not the spokesman we want for live performance, but maybe he is, you know I mean? Who else is more likely to have the ear of the Tories rather than a lord, you know? Um, I'm just trying to read this. Bit. Lloyd Webber said he was happy for his audiences to wear masks at his show and for so-called vaccine passports to be used. He said he has spoken to a leading council who told him it would be neither rational nor proportionate for the government to stop us from going forward. My feeling is I've gone through everything with the council. He continued, I've gone through... Uh, everything about the theatre itself, which is no, which is no recirculated air. The incoming air passes through filters completely. There are thirty places in the theatre where the spread of air comes from. I'm not a mechanic, but we have the CO two carbon dioxide monitoring that shows that the air is purer in there than it is outside. I mean, it does. It does look as if most theatres or most places are trying to open. Like I said, have jumped through every hurdle, or, or have been able to supply what information has been required. But it's just, you know, it's just down to whatever the government decides. So we will see. But <laughs> it would just be wonderful if fucking Lloyd Webber, Lloyd Webber, is getting dragged out. Of a theatre kicking and screaming as fucking widow twanky tries to wrestle him back into the room. Don't do it, Andrew, don't do it. Something that I definitely have to mention just now is I uh, Bo Burnham, who is an American comic, you you may know him, you may not. Um he 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 basically became famous through YouTube, I want to say 15 or 16, he started to release these kind of comedy music videos where he would do these comedy songs, um, My Whole Family Thinks I'm Gay was his first one, and that was the kind of one that made him like, you know, global fame, um, he'd since gone on, he's done two specials, three specials I think, maybe two specials, and uh, his new one, which is called Inside, um, was released last week on Netflix, or possibly the start of this week, um, anyway, it's, it's out on Netflix, it's called Bo Burnham Inside, it was filmed in his house, in his studio, um, during lockdown, and it is, it's incredible, I, I cannot explain how good it is, now, is it up there with um, Patricia Neal's Elephant in the Room, 
Louis C.K. Sincerely. Um, uh, God, what else? Great, great comedy specials. Uh, Bill Burr's second special. Doug Stanhope's Beer Hall Pooch is up there with them. No, it's not. It's something completely different. Um, one, it's musical comedy, so I never really brand it. Not that it's not comedy, but I don't, I don't kind of group that in with stand up because it's a completely different thing. But as a, as a film, as a, as a piece of art, if you want to get deep on it, it's fucking incredible. Um, I've watched it three times now, and it's great. The thing that I love about it most is. Most of you will have seen musical comics or musical comedy acts. And the one thing for me that makes them stand out or that makes them good is they have to be talented musicians. There's a lot of musical comics or, or musical comedy acts who do it because I think I think that they just want to be involved in comedy. or A lot of them just want to be famous and they think that they kind of jingle and they kind of, you know hack comedy song is a quick and easy way to do it and and for some people it is but if they are not talented musicians or very very good singers it always falls short and Bo Burnham is not only a, a great comic um, he's a very funny man he is an he is an incredible musician a, an unbelievable singer songwriter um, with a stunning voice and it's just honestly the it's called Inside. I cannot urge you enough to watch it. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, little things that I noticed about it since I watched it again, I, I started to pick up more stuff that I hadn't noticed before. Uh, just things like the frame ratio or the, the, the screen ratio changing when he, he was doing a song about um, Instagram and so the, the black lines of the screen come in to make the film the aspect ratio of what an Instagram video is or he's doing one of his... FaceTime and the same thing happens. He's also doing a bit where he sings a song about turning 30, which is a brilliant song. And he's doing a bit, oh, the two of magic goes mental in the background. He's doing a bit about, um, he's doing a piece to Cameron saying that when the clock strikes midnight, so it's 11.58 as this scene opens, and his monologue to Cameron is that when it, he, he'd set himself one goal, and the goal was to finish this before he turned 30, and he's still making the special, he's still filming it. And at midnight, he's going to be 30. And the interesting thing was, it just seemed like a nice kind of a point to take you on to, what is going on outside? My dog's going absolutely bananas. It just seemed like a nice point to kind of take you through the special and you know, kind of relate to his life and where he is. And it wasn't until I actually saw a post online about it that the moment the clock strikes midnight... And so, in theory, obviously, I mean, I don't imagine it's real. I imagine it was recorded before or after, whatever. But the moment that it strikes midnight, and the moment that he, in theory, turns thirty, is the exact midpoint in the show, L literally to the second. It is the exact midpoint in the special. Now, it's it's the little details like that. That is not, um, that's not by chance. You know, that is very well edited very well planned, thought out, put together, and it's the detail in it that makes it so so good, so clever, and just a wonderful special. Someone had put out a tweet, 
I don't know who the guy is. He's involved in some kind of Hollywood filmmaking because on his Twitter bio, it was a whole list of different films and things he's working on. And he'd said that this is a this should have won Best Oscar over the film it did win Best Oscar, which, which is true. Because as a whether or not you're a fan of Bo Burnham as a comic or you like musical comedy, as a, as a piece of cinema, as a piece of of uh, film, it's a it's a a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and it also gives you a really good idea as to what what can be done. Now, I have seen some things saying like, you know, he did he did film this himself and he did edit this himself. And yes, you know, to a certain extent, it does show just what can be accomplished. Now, the camera is using four grand. You know, at one point, you know, there's six of them. Um, there's probably I would I would guess, and this is just you know fag paper mass, but I would say off the top of my head. There's probably about, on the filming side, you know, lights, cameras, audio, you're probably talking, what, 30 grand's worth of kit? So, I mean, it's not as if it's just somebody's picking up an iPhone and they're making a, you know, a production quality, or production level piece of filmmaking that can go out, but it does show you what can be done, you know, if you have the time and I suppose the money and the resources that you, you can, you can put something very moving it's a, it's a just put something spectacular together watch it right just please watch it even if, you, if, you, if you're not a fan of musical comedy you've never heard of them just watch it give it a chance because it is honestly an absolutely spectacular uh, bit of filmmaking and a comedy special and again just pushes the, the, the boundaries as to what comedy is or just kind of different things it can cover so if you haven't watched it Bo Burnham's Inside on Netflix Give it a watch. You will not be disappointed. And if you're disappointed, you can mess me and go, Gibble, what a lot of shit. And I'll say to you, you're wrong. Right, couple of news stories to look at. Um, this is one that took my eye. Um, this is in the Metro. Good friends in the Metro. These are 50. Um, there's a list of the 50 most livable cities in the world, right? So, I, no, I don't know, what, I've not read it, I don't know what the criteria for it is, I don't know if it's based on, I don't imagine it's based on house pricing, I don't really know what it's based on, but according to whoever's put this together, these are the 50th most livable, so the best places to live, I'd imagine, cities in the world. Now, interestingly, London and New York did not make the list. That might be interesting to some. To me, I I don't I don't know anybody that would want to live in London. I imagine most most people in London. It's kind of like it's like get in and get out. I would say most people, unless you're born there and you grew up there, I would say that most people who go to London are going there to try and achieve something. And if they don't achieve it, get the fuck out as quick as you can. Otherwise, it destroys you. New York a little bit different. And New York's an incredible city, but I suppose the same thing like London and New York, they're only good cities if you can afford to be there. You know, if you're in London with a couple of million quid and New York, I'm sure life's exciting. If you're in London and New York on minimum wage, I imagine it's a very different experience you're having, but neither of the two make the uh, the list. <coughs> That's throat, man. I'm going to just cut my throat out. I wonder if there's any Scottish cities on it. I highly doubt it. Uh, the article says the most livable cities in the world have been revealed. And it looks as though the pandemic has had a huge effect on where people would like to live. All right. 
according to the Economist, the Economist Intelligence Unit, the EIU, annual ranking Auckland, New Zealand, is the most livable city in the world, taking the place of Vienna, which crashed out of the top ten altogether. Now, is is Auckland, New Zealand, the best place to live in the world, just because of the way that New Zealand has handled COVID? Because if that is how we're compiling lists, then this is a fucking load of nonsense. Is, is it? I mean, I don't know. Did, was there not a mass shooting in Auckland? I mean, hold on a minute. How are we compiling these lists? Was there not some guy going on a rampage in Auckland? Not that long ago. Also, it's a cracking place to live. Uh, what about all the mass shootings? Well, I mean, you know, come see, come see, my man. Although the Austrian capital, right, this is Vienna, had held firm at the top of the list since 2018, New Zealand's robust response to COVID-19. What did I just say? What did I just say, man? Honest to God, I should fucking write these articles. Um, the combination of effective lockdown measures and its geographic isolation gave its cities a big boost in popularity. Right, so this is just a list of fucking cities that, have, that are no longer in lockdown. Is that it? So this is fuck all to do with actual places you like to live. Uh, listen, here are the options. Would you like to live in London, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, or Auckland, New Zealand? What the fuck? Uh, not Auckland. Uh, New Zealand's tough lockdown allowed the society reopen. Don't care, don't care, don't care. Right, here are the top ten um, of most livable cities in the world. This, no, no, do you know what? See, now I've started this. This just feels like clickbait. I thought this was going to be an interesting read. Um... Talking about things that different cities can offer you. And once again, I've I've been drawn in by clickbait. So number one, Auckland, New Zealand. Don't think so. Two, Osaka, Japan. I beg your pardon. Three, Adelaide, Australia. Right, now, I can tell you for a fact, even people who live in Adelaide do not want to live in Adelaide. So this is a lot of shite. Four is Wellington, New Zealand. Fifth, Tokyo, Japan. So you're telling me that more people would want to live in Adelaide, Australia's shithole, than live in Tokyo, Japan? Number six is Perth, Australia. Now I know they're talking nonsense. Seventh is Zurich, Switzerland. Sunday's on glue. Eight, Geneva. I don't think so. Nine is Melbourne. Forget it. Well, Melbourne's an amazing city. And then uh, tenth is Brisbane, Australia. So basically, what they're saying is, the most livable cities in the world are all Australia, New Zealand and Japan. Places that couldn't give a fuck about COVID. What a fucking nonsense this list is. I mean, you know that the, you know the list is nonsense when it says, the 50 most livable cities in the world, and Amsterdam, the greatest city on the fucking planet, is not even on there. I, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I regret even beginning to talk about this story, and I apologise to you. I don't think I'd want to live in any of them: Auckland, Osaka, Adelaide, Wellington, Tokyo, Perth, Zurich, Geneva, Melbourne, Brisbane. See if you put a gun to my head, Mount Gibble, you've got to pick one. I'm going either. I'm not going to. I'm not going to any Australia. Fuck that nonsense. I'd maybe go. I don't even want to. Right, I'm going to have to go Tokyo. Tokyo or Osaka, if you've got to pick one of them to live in. Or do you go Zurich? But again, how can you have, how would you have Zurich over London and fucking New York? 
this list is nonsense. I, I regret it. I apologise. What a fucking pile of shit. I've taken us doing a cul-de-sac here, and we've we've spoken about nonsense. Um, I did see this one, and it just annoyed me, right? And again, these are these are news articles that are supposed to fill people with joy, and it it just goes back to this whole thing of people who are like filming acts of charity. Right, and it fucking boils my piss, and I don't know why it angers me so much, but it does. Of of all the wrongs that are in the world, and it shouldn't be on my list, but this is one of the things that is on my list. It's people like we've all, everybody's seen the videos, right? Some of you fuckers might even have done it, although I don't think so. I imagine if you listen to this podcast, um, there's a there's a dark, harsh exterior in your heart. People who go and give like a homeless person some food or clothes, or whatever it is, but they film the whole process, and they, you know, they, they bleed it out over, like, six vlogs for their YouTube channel, or they put it on their fucking TikTok, or whatever it is they do, right, with the whole basis of having people that they know, and strangers, pat them on the back, and tell them they're wonderful for what they're doing, right, they couldn't give a fuck about the person they're helping, and see if you say, but Gabo, they are just helping people, they couldn't give a fuck if these people live or die, this is this is clickbait. This is like me reading an article about the fifty most livable cities. People who film themselves doing charity, right, helping people out, or who post massive big screeds on their fucking social channels. I've been helping out at a Marie Curie cancer shop, and if anybody can lend that, good for you, cunt. Good for you. Why don't you keep doing it and shut up? <laughs> but you know what I mean people who find some poor homeless fucker and the, the new thing seems to be raising money for them right that seems to be the new thing you know where well, they, they'll do what, what we've done Jack is uh, we've posted this video online and then we've managed to get you £64 mate would you believe it £64. Now, we actually raised four and a half grand, but we've obviously siphoned quite a bit off the top of that, so we're giving you £64, you mad junkie bastard, all right? And they film it, and they put it out, and people watch, and they go, oh my God, you're so amazing, and this is the exact same thing, right? Now, headline is, strangers donate £700 to 90-year-old who orders the same pub lunch every day, right? Now, I'm not going to read the article. Because I read it earlier on, and it annoys me, right? I'm just trying to find the name of the pub. Essex. Fuck, of course it is. It is uh, a pub in Chelmsford, Essex, right? Um, this is a videos that the guy who's a landlord, the guy called Tim Meehan, uh, 39. Why would he his age? I don't know. Uh, has posted up these videos. Now, the guy's name is just called Pete, right? He's referred to as Pete. And apparently he's 90 years of age and he lives alone, right? And he visits this pub in Essex every single day, right? At lunchtime. Now, he's no one boozing, you know, he's a respectable old man. And the, the pictures that are online, he's, you know, he's got a lovely shirt on. But he's 90, right? He's an old guy. And he comes out of the pub every single day at lunchtime. And he orders the same thing every day. I like, I like what I like, son. I've got a routine, right? I like a British pint in a British pub served to me on British plates by a British person. He does look a little bit like one of those guys, but, you know, he's 90, right? He's been through a lot. So he goes to the same pub every day, he orders the same thing every day for for his lunch, which is a wee bit, you know, spice it up, Pete. You're 90, man. You don't get many fucking days left. Work your way through the menu. 
you know, but then he likes what he likes, and so he orders, which now it threw me a bit, right, when I read that he orders the same thing every day, it threw me, because I was expecting a pint of ale, right, some kind of ale, no a lager, he doesn't look like a lager, man, a pint of ale, or a pint of heavy, possibly a Guinness, and I was expecting, like, fish and chips, or steak and kidney pie, something like that, this fucking bald maniac, 90 year old Pete, every single day, he has Hunter's chicken, <laughs> Hunter's chicken, and a glass of red wine, so he's chicken, uh, wrapped in cheese and bacon, with barbecue sauce, uh, plate of chips, side salad, and a glass of red wine, every single day, right, now, the guy started posting these videos up, uh, saying he comes in the pub and he was doing like wee interviews with him. What do you like about the pub? I fucking love the pub. I bloody love this pub. They raised seven hundred pound, right? Which, you know, it's it's good going, I suppose. Seven hundred pound, and here's the thing, that, and it shouldn't annoy me, but it does annoy me, right? And I can't be the only person that thinks this because again, you are uh, you're naive to think if, that you ever have an original thought that you, none of us are unique in any way. That's why it's so easy to write comedy. That's why you, comedy is is one of the best art forms there is. Because when you think of something, other people have thought that as well. And you speak it out loud, you put a twist on it. So I can't be the only person that gets annoyed by this. So they, they, they then do a video, right, to say, Pete, remember those videos we put up? And we got hundreds of thousands of likes on them. Oh, I do, son, I remember them, man. Well, we asked people to raise money for you. And we've raised £700. So they tell them they've raised £700, right? Enough to buy him 90 glasses of red wine and pay for his lunch for two weeks. That's what he says to him in the video, right? So he his exact words are, we raised £700, 90 glasses of red wine, and it'll pay for your lunch for two weeks. And his response is, how am I going to drink £90 worth of red wine? And he says, no, 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 Pete. It's already paid for. It's 90 glasses, right? Now, here's my thing. This guy is the landlord, right? He runs this pub. He can do what he want in this pub. He, he's the boss. He's the El Capitan of this pub, right? What can he get is... And again, if I'm, if I'm wrong here, tell me I'm wrong. Instead of going to the lens of posting all this shit online, look how fucking good we are, look how amazing I am for all the charity work I'm doing, I look after this old guy, 90 year olds comes in the pub, such interesting stories, I've never actually spoke to him for more than 30 seconds, because that's all I can record at a time with my stories, I mean if he lived or died I couldn't give a fuck, but he's great content, it makes me an amazing landlord. See, instead of doing all that, why not sit and have a chat with him? Eh? Why not sit and talk to the old guy once you realise that he comes in here every single day? Why not sit down and say to him, oh, Hunter's chicken, Pete, is it a glass of red wine, mate? You have the same thing every day. You don't, you don't think I'm spicing up? No, son, I like what I like and this is what I like. How can he not just say to the old boy, do you know what, mate? See, every time you come in here for your lunch, it's on us. It's on us. Pete's in for his lunch, right? Hunter's chicken, a glass of red wine, stick that through. Don't worry about it. Don't charge them. Just stick it through. It's fine. How how can that not be the thing? How how can that not be the response to that? No, am I wrong here? 
there could be an argument. I'm trying to play devil's advocate. There could be an argument going, but it, it's shown him that he's reaching more people by doing it this way, and that strangers are willing to give up money. Hey, fine. He's twenty year old. He's to give a fuck. He wants his hunter chicken a glass of red wine. I just, I just feel as if, even after everything that the world's been through, we we still have yet to reset humanity, and this is still the way we do it. It's this falseness, it's this, it's just presenting ourselves to be something that we're not. This idea, oh my god, I'm an amazing charity person, you might know me from my viral videos. Uh, Pete, yes, sadly no longer with us. When did he die? Absolutely no idea, just realised he stopped coming in for his hunter chicken one day. I mean, once the kitty ran out, you know, he did say to me, is there any chance I could get a free hunter's chicken? And I said, Pete, you have fought for this country, but you can get to fuck if you think I'm getting a free dinner in this bar. Why can they not just do things? Why am I reading about this in a partly national newspaper? Why is this news? Why why can we just not do things for each other anymore without looking to have some kind of reward back? Why could he not just give that old guy his dinner? Why did he have to post it out to the world? Why did people have to do things simply to get reaction or to be rewarded themselves or to be patted in the back for the so-called charity work. I don't know. I hope Pete enjoys his hunter's chicken, and I hope that when he does pass away, the family get a coroner's report, and they realise that his life could have been prolonged if he wasn't fed barbecue chicken and deep fried chips every day, and they sue the pub, and the pub gets shut down. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of something positive to end this on, but I can't. I mean, there's a quote in here that says, it asks him why why he keeps coming in every single day. And uh, Pete says, if I didn't come in here, I, I would be in a wooden box. I mean, if that isn't enough to go, do you know what, Pete? Fucking Hunter's chicken's on us, mate. And here's the truth, Pete. It's not even real chicken, right? It's pigeon, it's microwave. It comes in a fucking bag. We defrost it and we fire it in for five minutes. And we charge cunts fourteen ninety five. But for you, it's free, mate. Unbelievable. It just it just annoyed me. I don't know why. It just it just struck a chord. I was like, listen, you bastard. Just give me dinner. <sighs> maybe we should have maybe we should have watched some kind of happy, joyful stuff before recording this episode, because this one has been a back to the old doom and gloom. Anyway, not to fear, Delta Force is on its way to wipe us out, and in five years' time we'll be going for our ninth and uh, final. Uh, vaccination in the hope that Delta Force no longer grabs us. Maybe Pete will still be with us and he'll still be hammering the hunter's chicken. Who knows? Um, thanks for listening. Apologies, I've been off for a couple of weeks and there's been a lot going on. And to be honest with you, it's uh, it's been mental to try and uh, find some time to even squeeze these recordings in. So I do apologise for the last couple of weeks that we've missed. Um, I was just looking there, 19th of May was the last one. It's almost a month we've been away. Oh my God, Kevin, I've missed you. Um, so thank you to uh, everyone who has uh, who's got in touch to ask for the podcast. As an ap- again, apologies for the delay. But um, remember, if you want to get some more content, then um, join the Patreon. It's the best way to support the show, and it's the only way to access all of the content. Extra episodes, comedy albums, all the good stuff is on there. Go to bigscottgibson.com or patreon.com forward slash bigscottgibson and sign up for as little as $5. Uh which is, I think is about four quid in the current exchange rate. So, hey, four pound, you know? Absolute pennies. Right, that's it. Um, 
enjoy this one team. Um, those of you who are rascals, I'll speak to you all on Sunday at some point. And uh, yeah, that's that. Get on the website, join the mailing list. Sign up to the Patreon. Do it. You deserve it. And uh, I will speak to you all soon. That's it. I'm trying to think of anything else to add. Looking at the notes here, I kind of think at this point, hey, I'll let you go. Look after yourself. Stay safe. Wash your hands and your arsehole. And I'll see you in a battlefield soon. Onwards. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.